Hey everybody and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. Tonight we're discussing the season premiere of Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, Strange Energies. I am Kevin, as always, one of your hosts, and I am always joined by... The other of your hosts, Ethan. It's been a long hiatus. Yep. We've been back a few times, but... We've been back a few times, but now we're really uh, back to our regular episodic format. Because we've got a new season yes. upon us, so. New episode for our episodic format. Yes, and I, 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 I had to, um, I couldn't remember what our format was because it felt like it had been so long. Uh, and so I needed to like dig deep into our archives and see how we were actually doing this. Because I think we did lower decks a little bit differently than the other shows. We did. I think it, it provided the opportunity to do a what we thought was the funniest moment, which yes. was one of the major diversions from our old yeah. format. So how you, I mean, so how are you feeling about the uh, at a high level? How are you feeling about the show, about this new episode? I felt good about it. I do on second viewing. I sort of had a, a little quibble, but. It's not much, um, but for the most part, I felt good about it. I felt really good to be back watching these characters again, and they are definitely the Trek characters, aside from maybe Picard, that I'm most excited to see, like Picard himself, you know? that That's where I kind of landed, too. I, the, the biggest thrill for me was just being back with these characters, because I just felt like it had been so long and I've watched the first season so many times and I've I've stated many times that this is my favorite of the new shows and I can't get enough of it so I was thrilled that the new season began and I'm just as equally thrilled to be back with these characters and I think that that was for me that was the best part about the uh about the episode but getting into the episode so um I think at a high level, the way I'm feeling was I, I feel very kind of middle of the road. I I don't think that this was one of the best episodes of the series. It certainly was not a strong opening, but as I, as I said, it, for me, it was more about just being back in this world with these characters. I will obviously put down all of my observations from watching the episode, but... Um, I didn't. I, I, in a way, I don't feel like the season started off very strongly with this one, and I think it's because there are things that left over from last season that need to be dealt with. Boimler obviously being the biggest thing, because as we all recall, he left the Cerritos at the end of last season, took a promotion, and went to the Titan. And we only see him in the beginning of the episode and at the end. He's not. He's obviously not with our crew, and I feel like his lack of presence hurts the episode a little bit for me. But I shouldn't judge on that too harshly because that's I know we know why he's not there. Right. Um, interestingly, my issue somewhat came also from um, the carryover story elements from last season, and I was a little bit disappointed because we had seen Mariner. We, we sort of joked 
not joked about how this was the best arc of a character we have seen in, since the new Trek began with season right. one of Discovery. And it seems like this episode was sort of a reset where now she's back to the, where she was before and all that growth of, hey, maybe I finally am ready for command and I'm ready to move up and try new challenges is just seems like, okay, I tried it, it didn't work. Yeah, it's, it's so I want to mention something about that because um, I mentioned this to you, but I want to bring this up in this have this on the record with the uh, with the episode. I was I was browsing the Trek BBS after the episode aired to kind of get everybody's take everybody's temperature and how they thought felt about the episode. And one person said something that I wouldn't say that I that I, that I sort of agreed with. Um, in that they felt like it wasn't a strong opening, but it was more about Mariner herself. They felt that how mu- how long is she going to keep up this shtick of being this type of person like being the one who's just cavalier about everything like where is her character going how long is she going to be like you know for example when she's running around saying oh i'm just doing what i want doing this for my mom and doing this like how much longer is she gonna keep going with this and i kind of pushed back a little and i said i think it's too early to be asking that question if she's still this way like i don't know in four or five seasons from now you know that might be a good time I think it just feels like it's been a long time because we've been sitting on these the first 10 episodes for a while. But in a way I but like I said I didn't totally disagree. I I get what they I get where they were coming from. They wanted to kind of see some growth there and you kind of just touched upon it too. So yeah, it could just be that that's her character, right? Right, exactly. Jordy didn't change very much over the course of the show. I mean, actually right. granted it was a different time, but It was a different time, yeah. But yeah. You know, that just might be her character. Some people are just, you know, we all know people that just kind of stay the same. The only problem I have yeah. is that if I felt it was done so well and built up and <clears throat> was a logical character arc, and now it's been sort of reset, and I hope it doesn't stay like that. It's um, it, it's kind of a weird question to ask, too, because people on Trek don't get promoted that much. Some people stay ensigns for, a long, for like the run of an entire series and don't move up. And the reason for that is because if they did move up, in the TV world, you'd have to bring on a new actor to take on the sp- spot that they vacated, right? Mm. So I think it's because like it's like a you know Starfleet is that sort of like mili- military type organization where you get promoted, and so how much longer are they going to go without getting promoted? So I I, I sort of get right. it, but I think well, I wonder you know. I wonder if she was actually demoted or they just changed their working relationship in that they won't be doing these side missions anymore. Yeah, I mean, I remember last really season. Clear. I remember last season they had been saying that she was. I mean, she's been up there and she's just gradually making her way down. So mm-hmm. does she? But so she I guess in a way, does she have further down to go? It seemed that she got a promotion, though, right? Didn't she get a promotion at the end of last season, or at least it seemed like she had a promotion? No, there was that episode where like she got promoted as punishment last season. Remember? Right. Yeah. But then at the end of last season, she said, "I think I'm finally ready." For command, and then this season, there she was on the bridge planning things. So hmm. I got the impression that she did get a promotion, and then she then she went back. But I guess it was never stated. And that promotion may be yet to come. But but this episode picks up several months after the conclusion of last season, and the opening scene, of course, is a lot of fun with Mariner in some. Cardassian prison 
And the whole thing is, of course, an homage to that famous next-gen episode, Chain of Command, where Picard's held hostage by the Cardassians and, you know, there are four lights and all that and all those other great memorable moments. There were four lights in this one. So, <laughs> they said, uh, so now we're getting into moments, but in that yeah. moment when Boimler said, they <laughs> keep flashing lights at me. That was so not to jump ahead, but, you know, we have a section on this podcast about what our favorite lines were. And that was one of my favorite lines. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I liked the opening scene quite a bit. And of course, we come to find out that that opening scene is just a holographic simulation. That's her way of sort of working out. So, um, working out both physically and mentally because she was yeah. using it as a therapy session, which was fun. Right. To it. And she and and let's not forget. I mean, it wasn't too. That's not too far removed from when she from you, you know I think your favorite episode last season, Crisis Point, where they were doing the movie spoof, and so she was too into like that holographic simulation with yes. the actual characters from the Cerritos. So I didn't find it too far removed from that. No. Yeah, it was still pretty much also using the fact that she's an expert um, holodeck programmer. Yeah. Yeah. I was a big fan of her stepping aboard the Miranda class starship, which of course is the same class of ship as the Reliant from Star Trek two. Even the bridge looks exactly the same, same color scheme. Everything looks exactly the same, which I thought was, which I thought was great. Yeah, that was nice. And she, yeah, and of course she's interrupted by that character Jennifer, who she does mention in the last episode of last season, where she tells somebody named Jen to shut up as she's sending Boimler an angry message. So yeah, we got to see Jennifer. We got to see Jennifer. Andorian. She's an Andorian. No, I like to see the Andorian. An Andorian named Jennifer, who likes to do yoga to unwind, as opposed to what to what she's doing. So yeah, and Mariner really hates her. Yep. Yep. And there's a lot of Easter eggs in that scene too. All the uh, most of the ships in the um, most of the ships in the hangar bay are existing ships from uh, from canon, right? So you know, just a few to name. You know, you definitely see the uh, there's a Starfleet runabout from DS9. There's a Jem'Hadar fighter from DS9. So I'd have to look in more detail to see what else was there, but mm-hmm. it was just all all of them were ships that we had uh, that we had recognized. How did you feel about the behind-the-scenes Easter egg? Behind-the-scenes Easter egg. Yeah, so when um, Mariner said, I know we're not supposed to have interpersonal conflicts, but I hate that Endorian. I'm not following you. So that was a direct reference to um, Gene Roddenberry's um, you know, edict on Next Gen. No, no interpersonal conflicts with the crew. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You won up to me again. All right. This is well, the third, this was, this is the third time you've done hilarious. it. It's the third time I you've done it. Was, I thought it was hilarious because, you know, that's one of those famous things that, um, <laughs> how can we write a show if there's no interpersonal right. conflict? I, I honestly didn't even think of that. Good catch. Right. Good catch. Thank you. So I did notice that. So this opening was, of course, the, uh, the opening tease. I did notice that when we got to the actual opening title sequence of the show, they made a modification. Um, the, the when there's that scene of the Romulan ships fighting the Borg ship, they actually added a few more ships in there. They added some Klingon birds of prey. They added some Paclid fighters. So I'm wondering if the, oh, interesting. But and you know, lower decks like discover unlike Discovery doesn't use the opening sequence to sort of telegraph what's to come for the season. Yeah, I was curious to see if they would do that. Yeah, 
And I actually, I just kind of skipped ahead just to see if it was any different, and I didn't notice anything. Yeah, so I'm very curious about why they made that change. I had read something about how the pack leads were going to be a somewhat recurring villain this season. They were obviously the aliens that were attacking the Cerritos at the end of last season, which caused Riker to come in and save the day. But, um... Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting choice. And as far as I could tell, it was the only thing in the opening sequence that changed. So, again, Lower Decks doesn't traditionally use their opening title sequence to, as I said, telegraph what's to come in the season. But I thought that was very... I thought that was interesting. So... Yeah, that is interesting. It's... it's, Yeah. It's if it's the only change. Hmm. It's very deliberate. Yeah. So that is interesting. Yeah. I also noticed that the animation on the show too seems to be a great deal enhanced. I'm noticing I'm noticing a lot more detail like in the Cerritos itself. Mariner seems to have all kinds of new facial expressions. The characters themselves just have new facial expressions. So I'm also noticing a real increase in the quality of the animation of the show. Mm. It's far more detailed this well. time. Yeah. Yeah, particularly some close-ups of Rutherford. I thought that was really great. Yeah, absolutely. So, and the planet was very good. Yep. The away mission planet. Yep. So we have our other story is Rutherford and his somewhat altered personality and yep. Tendi's reaction to it. I just love these two so much. I love their friendship just so much. Do you like the, that it now is, is changed by this? Um... Well, it's interesting because I was telling you, so at, of course... We, as we all recall, at the end of last season, Rutherford has implant torn out by. Was it the first officer that did it? Was it the security officer that did it? I can't remember. I'm trying to remember who, who actually did it. But I remember his implant was torn out. And last season ended with him sort of losing his memory, but slowly getting it all back. And so it seems like he has it all back now, but there's some things about him that are, that are a little bit different. What I think would be a lot of fun, and I don't know if they're going to do this. I thought this would... What I'm hoping they do, though, is kind of like after Spock died in Star Trek 3, then he came back, and all throughout 4, he's sort of gaining his memory back, and he's trying to... And he's and he's, it's a great... There are a lot of great humorous moments with Spock all throughout 4 because of him trying to remember who he was and everything of the sort. I think, for in Rutherford's case, there's a great deal of comedy that can be sort of mined if they decide to, like use that, use him sort of like his new personality or just him trying to remember things. I think that could be a really great um, opportunity for comedy. So, Yeah, I think it was already used well. Yeah. I mean, the fact that him liking pears was the tip-off that things were not right. Yeah. I think used to good effect. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping it's a recurring theme for the season. But um, I, but I really, I really liked Tendi's sort of need to try to figure out because the whole thing is that he's eating pears and there's something she doesn't think and dating the person that's not right for him yes and so she automatically thinks that there's something wrong so i loved her little like quest to try to figure that out with science and try to come Mm -hmm. up with like some sort of scientific explanation as to what is wrong with him but do you think that she it's actually that she's in love with him and that's why I think so. That seemed to be the subtext. I think so. I think so. But, you know, in some ways, 
if they do go that route, I want them to... I hope it doesn't change that sort of, like, besties vibe that they have with each other. I love that they're best friends, they're nerds, they love what they do, they're just really, really close, they're really, really tight. And so I want to maintain that aspect of their pers- of their relationship because that's that's what is that's what really is such a joy to watch is how much they nerd out about being in Starfleet together and just about the littlest things. So, so keep it uh, Jerry and Elaine for the most part. I mean, I, yeah, I don't want to lose that dynamic, but I mean, we'll see. I I I definitely think that she does have something for him. Yes. I would not deny that one bit. And our other storyline is our away mission, which yeah. I think is really the crux of the plot here. Yeah, I mean, so we kind of went in reverse, right? The Tendi and uh, Rutherford one is really the B plot, but the A plot is doing another second contact mission with this planet. The, um, how do you pronounce it? The Aparagos? So these are these are new aliens, by the way. This is not an existing alien race that we've seen in canon before, so. They're pretty, um, nondescript. Yeah. They seem very much like humans, right? I didn't notice anything. Well, see, yes, but you're right, and I think that's great, because... As we know in Trek, there are a lot of alien races that look human, and nobody comments on anything. And you'd think with animation, oh, we can just do whatever we want, but they still opted to go with like the human, <laughs> the human type of look, right? Yeah, it would yeah. be really funny if they just decided to add a different, you know, facial. Right. It's usually like a human with like some with like some little difference, and that's it. Yeah. 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 Something that where the makeup is not too hard on the actors. I think was always the. I got a really good laugh at like his deci- indecisiveness over choosing the right subspace channel. I enjoyed that because the numbers like has to have to mean something. Yeah. So then, yeah. Uh, even though they never actually see the numbers, it's like on our phones, right? I call you all the time. I don't know what your number is. Right. Right. Exactly. So I liked that little. I liked that little. Um, that aspect of it, but. The plot that's going on in this episode, in the A plot, I mean, it, it's very much akin to what you'd see in a in a TOS episode, right? Because oh. to kind of set the stage, Mariner goes down. She has permission from uh, her mother, so First Officer Ransom is getting a little irritated because Mariner is now kind of like the de facto second in command. There's a lot of yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's nepotism going on. Let's be honest. <laughs> Yeah, and she yeah. has her own. She's on the away team, but she's doing her own thing. She's doing her own thing. In right. this case, thing that they never cleaned up after their industrial revolution, so she was going to clean it up. All their buildings were covered with soot and, and you know, yeah. soft yeah. dirt. And then, as soon as she decides to start cleaning a building, she uncovers some kind of, I don't even know what you call it, some like ball of energy which activates, oh, and then. Right yeah, which when that happened, I thought to myself, so what was this planet like before all this soot got on these buildings? Was this happening all the time to everybody? Well, it didn't happen to, it only happened to him. So maybe right. it only affects certain people or yeah. it doesn't affect them. You notice also there was a whale before. I did notice that. It was a space whale though. It wasn't a humpback whale. Was it a gormagander? I didn't even look, at, I didn't even look close enough. Could it have been a gormagander? I don't know. Yeah. I was hoping it would be a humpback whale. <laughs> but this... So as soon as she uncovers like this sort of like mechanical... I don't even know, again, know what you would call it. The energy imbu- like completely takes over 
ransom, and then he ascends into this like godlike figure. Which again, that's the part about it that feels very TOS like, because that you, right. I could see that happening to somebody on the original the series. So even made its own original series reference by bringing up Gary Mitchell. Gary Mitchell. And it was interesting because they sort of used Gary Mitchell as, um, you know, this is our experience with this. So let's look right. to the Gary Mitchell case to see what we should and do. And this is the solution. How it could work. Right. But it was like, how did they do? Because like skipping ahead, they say, well, how did how did they deal with it? Well, Kirk just crushed him with a rock. Oh, okay. Kirk smushed him with a boulder. Or Kirk smushed him with a rock. Right. And so I had watched I had watched the episode in a long time. I rewatched it after this, and it was very hilarious. That yeah, that was a very accurate, you know, description of how he handled it. Yeah, yeah, he crushed him with that with that uh, with, rock. with that rock with that with that you know. Um, Rubber rock they had in the original series. They probably used for everything, right? Got it with that, you know, laser rifle. Yeah. All on him when he was in Kirk's yeah. grave. But yeah, I mean, the subplot is all about how Ransom is just unhappy, and so him ascending to this godlike figure, he's now the villain of the episode, and they have to kind of figure out how to deal with this um, to you know absurd and yet hilarious results. I love the idea of them going back to an original series episode and using that as the solution for this. Yes, and I really liked also that they put their own spin on it. Mm. And um, the fact that it was very much its own um, situation because it took complimenting him and yeah. his ego. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense for what we know of the character. And, you know, again, while this is all going on, the Tendi Rutherford plot is playing out in parallel, and there's a great scene in this episode where Tendi is giving Rutherford shocks, trying to, you know, figure this whole situation out. And she keeps saying, like, because she, what does she say in that opening scene? She says, like, if he continues down this path, his brain's gonna melt and then leak through his nose. Yeah. And then that scene opens up with Rutherford saying, So you're saying that my brain is gonna melt and leak through my nose just because I like pears? And then she's just giving him like random shocks. Do you like pears now? What about how about now? How about now? How about now? No, 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 I don't like pears. I yeah. hate pears. Yeah, I hate <laughs> pears. Which is which is funny because I actually hate pears myself. Yeah, this, I, uh, I like a good pear, but it's very rare that one gets a good pear in my opinion. Yeah. Right. They're always like too ripe or not ripe enough. Yeah. That's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah. But I think so this a plot with ransom i mean while i think it was fun i think one of the reasons why because when we were talking about this episode before we began recording just after it aired the other day you were asking me how i felt i'm like and i was like like ah, it was okay I, I didn't i didn't find it that funny i didn't and i think the reason why i felt that way and i my opinion has changed somewhat since then is because i just similarly to how i felt about the Giorgio mirror episodes in the last season of discovery i felt like I don't think we have time for this because I want to see what's going on with Boimler. Like, I had hoped that the show was going to go in that direction first and deal with that. But instead, they're doing this. So I think for me, there was a little bit of sort of impatience with it. and Because I, I wanted to know what was going on over there without, instead of seeing this. I, th I think that this yeah. is just the show. Right. Think of it like next gen. Um there's going to be a thing that happens each episode. Right. And that's going to be the main focus. But see, 
if this were next gen, I think they would have picked up on Boiler. I don't think they would have said, no, we'll hold off until next week or something like that. Well, that's like true, because it would have been a two-parter. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> because as I said in the beginning, Boimler's lack of presence for me is really felt. He's a he offers a great deal of the comedic like tension on the show, and well, I I really miss him not being there. I know he's going to be back, and I want to see how they're going to be doing that, but like I wanted them to do it in this episode, and I sh- and I shouldn't, and maybe it's not fair for me to judge the plot because it didn't it wasn't living up to what i was hoping they were going to do but yeah but would you have been satisfied if we had just had a let's say one or two more cutaways to boimler on the other ship or did you want to see him back i wanted to see i wanted to see him back sort of in the action with all of this Ah. but having said that though i don't know where he would have fit into this into this, right? right? And then because we yeah. lost the, the dramatic tension of him being gone. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And also, the, their their thoughts of what his life was like compared to what it really was was another funny aspect. Right, right. So it, it's interesting because like the show's episodic, and yet they are doing a little bit of story of arc based storytelling. Again, we know that Boimler is going to be back. It's just a question of. How is how is he going to be back? From what I have seen and what has been sort of suggested is that his how he comes back is a little bit of is a little is very absurd and yet fun at the same time. So I'll be curious to see how that how, how that actually happens. Yeah, I think I would. I, I'm happy to see more of his him not fitting in with yeah. Riker, and yeah. that way we get to see Riker, which. Right. We'll see, and that's... This is a very fun version of Riker. That's the other thing, too, right? Because, like you, I also want to see that, too. We had talked about, what, last season, like, we were speculating, I remember we were speculating in one episode about, like, how much fun we thought it would be if they went into the Mirror Universe and how hilarious it would be that Boimler would not succeed at passing himself off as his evil self. It's him trying to... Because I think Boimler's charm is trying to insinuate himself into these situations that he doesn't, he's not really good at doing. And so yeah. I want to see, yeah, like I want to see how he's doing on the Titan. And so as we've seen at the end of this episode, and even in the trailers, and it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to be going well. No, it's just, and it's interesting too, because it seems as if it's partially his idea of uh, Starfleet and Rikers don't line up. Yeah. Riker's a little more shoot from the hip. Yeah. And um, he's a little more, you know, what's the regulation for this, sir? But Riker seems, yeah, and Riker seems really unfazed by how awful of a time Boimler is having from what we have seen. Yeah, no. He's, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's the ship's counselor's problem. It's not yeah. his problem. <laughs> right. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was, you know, back to the Rutherford Tendi plot. When Rutherford's on his date, I got a really good laugh because this is not something I thought about. And this is obviously part of the Lower Decks charm. How Rutherford's date comments on how her sister had a symbiont. And that's all she did was talk about how she had a symbiont inside of her. Like, yeah, yeah, we get it. And I was like, yeah, like every episode, Dax would be like, oh, yeah, Curzon did this. And this, <laughs> did, and like, yeah, they never do shut up about talking about their symbionts, don't they? Yes. Yeah. But, but, but 
because of the way those shows are, we never got someone saying like, "God, oh, you just shut up about your but see, All right, we know." That's what I so love about much more of a modern take. That's what I love about Lower Decks, though. It it brings those things to light that I didn't even think about before. I'm like, "Oh yeah, right. They do do that a lot, don't they?" Everyone would be really annoyed. It would right. be like the that just got back from Spain, and I'm like, "I just got back from Spain." Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so I also got a really big laugh on the planet. There was that moment where uh, Ransom was summoning all of this workout equipment and all of the people that were under his control were like working out on the, which I didn't even notice on the first watch. I saw them all like using exercise equipment and like I'm just like, oh my god, that's really funny. Yeah, especially that he was doing the gestures of lifting, but yeah. he was using mental energy, so I don't believe that he was actually working You saw him muscle. like lifting trees and stuff in the background while they were on screen. Yeah. It was yeah, so it was a very interesting conclusion to it. That it, it was a combination of complimenting mm. Ransom, yep, kicking him in the balls, and yep. smushing him with a rock was how they finally took care of it. And yep. really, what what the, what the <clears throat> what's the right word? Um, what the resolution of it was was for everyone to talk about their problems that they were having with each yep. other working yep. together. So that was yep. an interesting, different kind of take. Yeah, because and we got that with Tendi and Rutherford. I mean, eventually they they come to terms with, you know, that whole thing gets wrapped up as well. And it was very sweet because Rutherford totally appreciated how what she was doing was totally based in science. Because he's like, oh, that's the same. That's the exact same thing I would have done. And they still stay friends. And you know, even with that whole moment going on, that moment of resolution, I'm just sitting there with a big smile on my face because I because again. I just love those two so much. I love I love their relationship so much. And I got a big laugh when like there was a moment where like Tendi kind of like falls back really sad and you just see like in the background Ransom's head like outside just like <laughs> biting on the nacelle. There's like all this chaos happening behind her outside and she doesn't even realize what's going on. That was one of my favorite that was definitely one of my biggest laughs. Because, yeah. yeah, they were having this very intense conversation about how like, maybe we shouldn't be friends anymore. And it was right. very intense. And in the background, yeah. <laughs> they're, just, on they're just like, they're totally oblivious to the entire thing. <laughs> yes. And just the giant head yeah. was so ridiculous, but also would have been so perfect in the original series. It would have. It would have batted an eye if this was an original series it, it, concept. It was no different than, like, Apollo's hand coming and grabbing the Enterprise. I mean, at one point, Ransom does grab the does grab the ship himself, yeah. right? And I love that someone on the bridge says, uh, Captain, prepare for grabbing. Yeah, <laughs> or even before that, where he says, uh, Captain, there's a giant head coming at us. But, like, they say it so straight. Like, they don't even say it, like, with any hint of, like, confusion. It's like, as if it's as if it's normal. Yes. You know, like Which those, is great because right. we've always sort of wondered this. If space was that weird when the original series happened, why was it never really that weird ever again? <laughs> well, Because, you know, yeah. Abraham Lincoln, as I always point to, is one of the more hilarious um, episodes. There was something I saw a long time ago. I don't, and I wish to God I could still find it. But it was like this fake, you know, I forget what I was looking at. I think it was just like a something somebody wrote. But it was essentially Starfleet Command reading all of Kirk's logs from the original series and just all the crazy shit that he came across. And it kind of begged the question, like, is this the only person that... Is Kirk the only captain this is happening to? Or is this, right. hap is this happening to other captains too? <laughs> yeah, but, and do they just think that they're all... 
insane or right. something. And you and I have been saying, like, this is the kind of, like, back way back when they announced Strange New Worlds, like, we want to see some crazy shit on that show, too. Yes, I want to see... Richard Nixon a, in space. A giant uh, Jimmy Carter in space. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's... And see, and you got to remember, too, that even in the first maybe two seasons of Next Generation, you had similar things to a lesser extent, but similar to what that crazy shit happening on the original series happening on Next Generation. But again, I love that the con officer just says totally straight, there's a giant head coming. Like Right, which implies that they're used to this sort of exactly, thing. Exactly, exactly right, yeah. Yes, brace for grabbing. Brace for also. grabbing. As if they know, they know the drill on being grabbed by giant space. Yeah. So, what else do you have on the episode before we move on to uh, favorite quotes? Um, that's it for me. That's it for you? So, I know we typically do one quote, but I have three. And I okay. kind of went to through two of them already. So, first one, holographic Boimler when he says, Oh my god, Marini, you gotta get me out of here. They keep showing me lights. <laughs> um, Rutherford's my brain's gonna melt out of my nose cause I like pears and then there's another one it's when Rutherford's on his date and she says uh, I think your friend's gonna shoot you and then there's Tendy right behind him with the <laughs> with the weapon yeah. and then she says uh, oh well we're going swimming yeah. first off right I wanted to ask you this have we ever known about a pool on any Starfleet ships I don't I assume they just maybe go in the holodeck and just, right. Yeah. That's right. Because Jordy to go to the beach. I'm sure they went in the water. I can't imagine a pool would be a great idea, considering like the number of shakes. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. All right. So those are yours. You say you have one more. That no, those are the three. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Here are mine. I like. I really like. I know we're not supposed to have interpersonal conflicts, but mm. I hate that end orient. <laughs> bringing in that, you know, outside. Uh, breaking the fourth wall, so to speak. Um, I really like... Oh, this was great. So when Ransom was on his power trip and he said, I am superior to all of you! And that fellow... Um, oh, what was his name? I have written down here somewhere. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I really love him. The balding guy. Yes. Who, so he says, It's true. All hail Ransom. I yeah. bow. I bow before thee, sir. <laughs> As I if... Could, yeah. This guy was just already... Is completely thinks Ransom is a superior being, and right. he's just all on board. Even if he hadn't gotten these powers, he just was ready to right. submit to the leadership of Lord Ransom. Yeah, and he was just there earlier to like give the pads because Tendi yes. didn't because because uh, yeah, yeah. pads there, just, didn't do it. Yeah. Just the way you like them. I, and I and I can't. I have to go back and look, but I think we did see him last season. I just I I couldn't remember a specific moment with him. But I was like, I think we have seen him before. I just, I, the, the exact scene wasn't jumping out at me, though. Yes. Yeah. I thought, yeah, he, he was one of the funniest parts of the episode. Yep. Me. Uh, we got, I said, I believe, uh, how, did, how did they handle um, Mitchell? Kirk smushed him with the boulder. Yep. And I again, I got to mention, smushed. I, love, I love that word, too. I love that this show refers to events from the other shows as if they were actual episodes. Like, they refer back to them the same way we would. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Uh, and it was neat, too, that they already had it on the screen, Gary Mitchell, just the, right. the doctor had sent it to the captain just to familiarize her with uh, 
the whole situation. And by the way, extreme attention to detail. Gary Mitchell, they had him in the uniform scene in Where No Man Has Gone Before. It's, Which is it, those weird ones with the turtlenecks. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. think they... Um, I can't remember if they're holdovers from the cage. They might be similar. That's what I didn't realize. That was the famous second pilot. That, that was the second pilot. Paid for. Yep. Stick it to the network to show them the show is good. Yep. Yep. But um, they did right. not air it as such, though. They aired like five episodes, and then they aired that one. So right. the look of it was so totally was different. Episode on the current listing. Yeah. Um, but you know, Star Trek does have a thing of random uniform changes, so it fits. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, I really like that after all this happens and they finally get Ransom under control, the leader of the planet goes to uh, Mariner and says, "Here, I picked a number. Just go." Yeah. <laughs> Right, I should have put that one down. I meant to put that one down. After all that, he cared so much. And after he saw how insane uh, these Federation people are, he just wanted them to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I have a bunch today. Uh, yeah. Another one was when um, Rutherford finally said, fuck pears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was good. And But my absolute probably favorite was um, this jam session has too many licks and not enough comp. What does that even mean? <laughs> Yeah, because it sounded like it could mean something, and yeah. it definitely didn't, and it was pretty hilarious. Did you well ca- delivered by, uh, by Riker. Did you catch what Riker said as they were, like, deforming, as they were going into the into the uh, anomaly? Oh, I love my job. I love my job, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and I have a feeling Boimler was not feeling the can same. Can I just say, that. you can really tell that Jonathan Frakes is really having a blast with playing Riker this way on the show. Because I think he oh, yeah. has said numerous times, like he's always wanted to make Riker funny, and this is this was really the opportunity to do that. So you can t- you can absolutely tell that Frakes is just like having a blast with it. Yeah, yeah. I think what he means is to make him intentionally funny, because he's definitely unintentionally funny. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. So there, I, I yeah, I laughed a good amount during this one. I have to say, the the other section that I always have on this is the continuity watch. So just again, you know, to remind everybody, continuity, like you know, how does any sort of references to canon. So the things that I caught, I kind of covered them already slightly, but um, the opening scene, of course, is an homage to the TNG episode Chain of Command, right down to the number of lights that are seen on the top. Gary Mitchell, of course. Also, a small one, a very minor detail. So when Tendi is zapping, um, not zapping, when she's shooting Rutherford with the, with the uh, what did she call that, medical, I forget what she called those things. When she goes into the mess hall and she starts shooting him, then she's chasing him down the hall. She has like a strap of these things around around her. It almost looks like it almost looks like a thing like with bullets. But Chakotay and Janeway wore the exact same thing in a Voyager episode toward the end of the show, where they had where they had it filled with like they put these things into a hypospray and they were like using them on something. So it was like storing all these little inserts that they would stick into a hypospray. So she was wearing the exact same thing that they were, which is something I just caught, but. It's little details like that and Gary Mitchell's uniform that just show me that they really have an attention to detail. So um, I think for me, my final observations were, I didn't think this one was as funny as some of the best episodes of the first season. But, and and I also didn't find it to be an extremely strong opening. But I was entertained and I did like it nonetheless. And again, it's, I think it's just because there are other things sort of waiting in the wings that need to be dealt with 
So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to judge it too harshly based on that. So, um, as I said, I think Boimless Presence is missed, but I'm anxious for the series to deal with that. And I think that's why I wasn't like fully into the, into Ransom's God plot. Cause I just kind of felt like there's more important things to deal with right now, but we'll get there. And so, um, so again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge the episode too harshly on that. I just, yeah, I just didn't find it a- as funny as some of the other ones, but it was still good. I still enjoyed it. Glad to, mm. glad to have the show back. Hmm. And I felt that I was very happy with the story that we got. Yeah. Being so wild and original series-like that I didn't really miss um, Boimler. And I, I got to see him, and I thought the scene where we did see him was really funny. So yeah, I was totally fine with no Boimler. Yeah. Uh, and I think I kind of like that they're building it up that he's not there and... You know, they're clearly missing him because they're talking all the time about, oh, what do you right. think his room is like and all this. So They're using his bunk as, as a storage space. <laughs> yes, yeah. I hope you'd hate that. But, it, you know, at the same time, though, the show hasn't missed a beat, right? The show hasn't lost anything. I mean, it's still, it's still funny. It still does those things that, you never, like I mentioned about the trill and the, um, the symbiont. It makes you think about things that you never really thought about before and, you just, and just finding the humor and all that. So, um, where do they swim? Right, exactly. So, um, but you know, again, it's only the first episode. It, given what we saw, because actually, let me bring this up with you because I'm curious your thoughts. So, they have we you looked at that trailer a little while ago of the uh, the whole this season on Star Trek Lower Decks. So, which of course gives a preview of what is to come. Um, was there something on there that concerned you, or like did you have any thoughts about what? No, at first I was a little concerned when I saw Boimler being a badass, but yeah. then realized with your help that it was um, that was clearly a fantasy because he was Jack. I didn't notice that he was Jack, and I just thought, like, wow, maybe he's really taken to life yeah. with Riker. He's but, jacked, and he's on the Enterprise D bridge, so that's a good tip off. Yeah, um, yeah. So that um, so I didn't like if they were going in that direction, but it doesn't seem that they are. Yeah, and I didn't really take notes, so I, that was the main thing that stuck out. To the thing that made me laugh most was when they were uh, they were clearly echoing the uh, the engineering radiation scene from the Wrath of Khan. All right, yeah. And Rutherford's about to open the door. They go, "Oh, there's radiation!" He opens, it. "Ow, hot!" He's about to go inside, and "Ow, that's hot!" So, um, yeah, so much fan service in that trailer. Obviously, I mean that's what they do, but um, what I had been hearing about what's going to happen this season that trailer aside was that they were going to spend a fair amount of time like adding to the universe and what i mean by that is like you know like they did in this episode showing us brand new aliens and not just bringing on ones that we've seen before i think there's still going to be a fair amount of like that fan service but i think they're going to do a lot more this season than last season of actually adding new things to the to the canon so to the universe so but it, i mean but they still did that last year anyway there were a lot of aliens we saw last season we had never seen before so right, right. yeah I have a question actually based on that do you think that there is possible to hit a point where the references and the easter eggs are too much to take away from the show because my thought on the as you know i've told this sort of many times but the first time in my life that i remember crying watching a piece of media was the scene with Spock and radiation. Yep. 
And so, you know, like using that as a last line, it, it, well, part of me is feeling kind of like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. I think that... Are you concerned with it, like a scene like that potentially ruining the original one for you? Is that what you mean? Is like, is that where you're going? I, I think it's any any number of reasons. One would be something like that. Another one could just be like, it's just becomes a spot the reference. I'm, well, I, I'm wondering. I feel like you're maybe I'm wrong, but you you're sort of echoing. You, you in a way you're kind of echoing my original concerns about the show before we ever saw a frame of it. I think I was a little worried about like. Are they just going to take the universe and turn everything into a joke? Is 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 the is it going to be like a Star Trek parody in that sense? Right. Um, and we were, I think, we were satisfied in the first season that they did not do it. They had I, art. I think what they do is, I think they, so far anyway, up to this episode, they have managed to strike a good balance of using the existing lore. And poking and sort of poking fun at sort of the right things, because let's be honest, there are some, there are a lot of absurdities in the Trek universe. As much as we may like it, there are things that you can laugh about, which do seem ridiculous, right? I mean, I think it was, uh, I think it was the very first episode of the show. We got a huge laugh out of like, I think it was Boimler who got injured, and they said, oh, "Don't, don't worry, like the doctor will just rub a light over it and you'll be fine," like, like things like that. I think they've managed to strike a good balance between where they get their humor from. Um, Agreed. I never felt like they. I never felt like they went too much, too heavy on the references because I just think that, and I think it's because everything for me anyway. Everything has worked so far. I've never felt like it's they've done too much, and I think. I think they've done just enough, but I also think that's just what the show is, and I'm okay with that. What does concern me about that, though, is. It's clearly a show for us. I don't know if somebody from the outside coming in, how they would be able to, you know, they would, they would not enjoy the show on the same level that we would, but would they still be able to enjoy it? I think so. Right. But it's interesting, too, because I think that's a concern for them. Because I watched a little bit of the bonus Thing, this one thing, I think we called it a Lower Deck Season 2 premiere special hosted by Will Beaton. Yeah. And so they were interviewing someone and they were saying how, you know, we have the Easter eggs and all that. So the people that are into that can enjoy that while everyone else can just enjoy the laughs. And I, you know, they like, they sort of were making the case that they built this perfect show for everyone. But I don't know how true that is because a lot of the laughs are based on your knowledge of things. Right. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like it's on their minds. Yeah. And I mean, I have def. And so I'm not going to lie. I mean, I have recommended the show to, to non Trek fans to say, I think, you know, I think you'll enjoy it. I mean, because I also think that it could be a nice way in to the franchise and maybe it'll get you to explore other things. It might be a good entry point. Um, but But I think also at the same time, they may not even, I, I, like, can you think of anything that they've referenced on the show that, or like any joke that if they 
don't specifically call it out. Anybody, somebody who doesn't isn't familiar may, may, might be lost. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, do you feel like any of that is it presented in such a way that a person who may not be familiar with the lore is like, I don't know what they're talking about. What do they mean? I don't know. It's hard to put myself in. Like the Gary Mitchell thing, for example. I mean, do you think that? I mean, they kind of. I think they gave enough. I think they gave enough. Something similar happened to this other guy. Things go weird real quick. They smashed yeah. him with the boulder. Right. I mean, that's kind of all you need to know. Right. There's another layer on there for us, of course, but yeah. um, it's like it's like it's one extra laugh for us than it would be for, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, thinking lower. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question. It's it's an interesting question. I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I absolutely think that it's a it's a show for the fans. I think that it would be. But yeah, I mean, I I have recommended it to non fans, and some have seen it and they enjoy it, but they don't really feel compelled to keep going with it, right? Mm. And. It's interesting too, like I've actually, so I have two friends of mine who are Trek fans to a certain degree. You know, like they love next gen, that sort of thing. And so I thought, oh, maybe they'll like Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. So I told them to check it out. And they're like, yeah, it's, it just doesn't do it for me. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting because yeah. I've sort of realized in thinking about this that given that I'm pretty sure that next gen is the most, has the most exposure. Most lauded, I think, too, yeah. Probably, yeah, probably more people have seen that than anything else. And the way the numbers were so high on Netflix and things, so, like, it got this kind of resurgence among, I don't know who, stoners, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I knew a few stoners who watched yeah. it, so. Um, but I think, so that was kind of a smart move because you're setting it in a world that the most number of people will be familiar with. Yeah, and that's and that's one of the reasons why I try to get those fan, friends of mine who love Next Gen to watch it. Yeah, and actually, yeah. because I'm an English teacher, and I just said the most number of people, that's not right. Yeah. So, mm, the highest, largest number of people, more people, something like that. I, I do think that of all the Trek shows that we have, just the ones that we've seen, I know there are other ones that we've not, not seen yet, I definitely think it was the... I'm going to go out on a limb here. Maybe you'll disagree with me. I think that it was absolutely the riskiest Trek show to do because it was so unlike any of the other ones that we've seen. I mean, when they announced this show and announced it as an adult animated comedy, of course, me, like a lot of other Trek fans, I don't really think you fell into this category, but we're like, scratched our heads going like, how is that going to work? Like, you know. And I was very much on board. Yeah, like, I wasn't, I, I was on board, but I was just more like, how are you going to, Yeah. okay, but, you know, the franchise needs to branch out into these other areas. It can't just stay with one oh, yeah. demographic, in my opinion. And, of course, little did I know at that time that it, this would end up being my favorite of the new shows, because it just, as I said, it manages to strike that balance perfectly. And yes. it's a show that loves the universe that it's in. It doesn't just make fun of it, but it loves the world that it's in very much. Yeah. And let's face it. Part of this may have been to um, 
out Orville the Orville. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Because yeah. the Orville is sort of billed as, it's like next gen, but with jokes. Right. And this, yeah. So I wonder how much that played into the decision. I've noticed, and I've also noticed too that a lot of the people, like whether you're in the comments section of some site or wherever, um, the biggest thing that they say about the biggest criticism they throw at the show is that oh, it's just Rick and Morty in in space. It's just Rick and Morty meets Star Trek, which is so far from the truth. No, like I like weirder. I used to watch. I watched Rick and Morty in the beginning. I don't watch it anymore, but I watched it a lot in the beginning, and I can see where they're coming from in a way. And I but. I mean, I think yeah. they just look at the animation style. They're like, "Oh, it's Rick and Morty." Like, no, right. it's not. The fact that someone who wrote for it is right, but clearly they've right. They're not. I mean, did people talking. say that about Futurama? Like, "Oh, it's The Simpsons in space." It's The Simpsons in the future because look at the animation style. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's way more surrealist the Rick and Morty from the little of it that is. Well, and let me let me also mention this. I may have said some version of this before. I'm not going to get into criticizing that show, but let me at least say this. What does it say about a show like this, where this is the 11th episode, and you and I have agreed that where we land, we're just happy to see these characters again. We're just happy to be there. It's almost like it doesn't matter what they're doing. We just want to see these characters again. Because they are so well-established. They're so well-written. They're so... Mm -hmm. They're such a joy to watch that you just want to be there with them. It almost it's like it doesn't matter what they're doing. Yes, it's you just like, want to be there. So, it reminds me of the feeling that I still get when I watch Next Generation episodes. Yeah, it's like putting on a, a warm snuggie or something. You know, it's just like exactly comfort. seeing those characters and kind of knowing what you're going to get, but yeah. not in the not in the boring way. And and, a, and I'll ask. I think of TV used to be like you want to go to that. It's like Cheers. You want yes. to go to the world and see the pe people and be in that place. Well, and let me ask you, because I always like to get your perspective because I know that you teach writing, right? But what is it... Is that, in a way, like, is that sort of the ultimate goal of a writer? Like, it's almost like you just want to go to that world that they're in. It's almost like it doesn't matter what kind of story you're telling. Because you, you just want to be with the characters that they created. You just want to exist in that world along and with them. For fiction, probably, yeah. That's, like, one of the biggest... Things. I yeah. mean, every every writer has their different goals that they're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's one of the big ones, and especially for young people, like yeah. that's when they really fall in love with reading is when they get lost in the world and want to continue to go back to it. So right. First experience when you're reading a book and you don't want it to end, you kind of get start to get depressed when you get near the end. It's a um, yeah, it's a powerful thing. Yeah, and I think it really says something about this show specifically in that because don't forget these are only thirty minute episodes. There's five and a half hours of the, of content on this show, which equates to what? A little under half a season of like Discovery or Picard. And they have managed to just treat the characters, the world, and establish them so well. Far better than I think those other two shows have. And in such in a and in, in, in a shorter span of time. Yes. But I will I will say for Picard. Yeah. I do feel they, they handled it. They gave, they did their character justice as well. Agreed. And they had more Agreed. to do. Yeah. But they did make us care about each character, or at least know about what was going on. There were no, there were no um, filler characters. And I think it might also speak to 
the the episodic format too in that it's still something that i just really miss and really enjoy having um as i was saying this this season they seem to be dancing a little bit with some arc based storytelling but not not too heavily um i don't think it's too different from the first season yeah i think boimler trying to get on the bridge right uh, and mariner resisting so well and what and what did i say last season i said i think that we're getting a glimpse into the strange new worlds format it's episodic but the 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 character arcs are the are what are what is being carried through and yeah that could be, could be. yeah so be. I, I do really hope that we get some crazy stuff like giant head or someone yeah. thinking they're a god on strange new worlds yeah, and you know, I don't think that with this show I'm going to get too wrapped up in wanting to see the characters kind of advance into into new areas, like because the 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 the, ed, the shows you come at the show in that in the title it's the lower decks, so because at that point it's not lower decks anymore if they move up to whatever, right? So yeah, I mean I. If if I'll tell you this, if the if the show ends up reverting back to kind of the way it was in the first season, I'm I'm honestly like I I'm fine with that because that's the show that I enjoy watching. Right? Yeah, I think it would be a little bit of a bummer, only because if you do the work of growing a character just yeah. to revert them, that feels nothing. Yeah. But yeah, um, but that's a fair criticism. Yeah, yeah. We have many more episodes of Lower Decks to discuss, so uh, and that will continue next week. So until then, we will see you all in a bit. Later, skaters. Peace out.